Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 31, sponsored by absolutely nobody and their mother. My name is Suns Fan. Joining me, as always, is the great Cinderin. How are you? And how is your dog, Onion, doing, my friend? Don't call it Onion. It's not called Onion. Yes, it's called it is. Lloyd. No, it's called Lloyd. See, I can't it, it doesn't that. work. It just doesn't work the same way when you translate. It doesn't sound good. Like, Onion is just not a good dog name, but Lloyd is, even though they mean the same thing. Does that make sense okay. to you? It, it does. It does. It's just it's hard yeah. for me to pronounce. That's okay. Think about Lye. loyalty. Think about loyalty as a word, and then you just say loy. Then you're pretty close. I don't know anything about that word, honestly. Okay, um, think about um, plo- a ploy to ploy. take over something, and then you just keep okay. the P out, and you say loy. Yeah, that's good enough. You know, that's pretty close. <laughs> you just say it fast. Try to say it fast. Trolls. Try to say it fast. Trolls. Instead hey, of loy, you it? say loy. Hold on, hold on. Trolls. Did I get that right? It's better. Uh, it's not it's not great no american can say my name. all right it's fine so before we get yes, started things are going better good. with the dog uh i don't yeah. when we talked last which day was that was it that was... the wednesday so that was the day after i got the dog right yeah but we didn't talk about wednesday it the we were doing our patch analysis yeah we quickly mentioned it before we got started i think or something i don't even That's know what right. we did but yeah it's going it's going really great honestly I don't know if you want a little rundown yeah, of it before we get started me. with stuff. So I love hearing this uh, shit. I think this is something that's pretty unique, actually. Um, so we got the dog at eight weeks old from the breeder, and it is completely potty trained. That was not what we expected, and that is not that's the norm. Good. I will guarantee you that. We have actually been completely able to... It's been a week now, so I can say it with pretty high confidence that Mm-hmm. The dog knows that it only pees and poos outside after eight weeks, which is very special as far as I know. So that's amazing. Uh, it's also been desensitized very well against noise, so it doesn't like get worked up over that. There's definitely things to work on, of course. Like It's not like it's a wonder dog and it knows everything, but it's been really pleasant surprises for us. Um, and now I see chat saying buying from a breeder Dan's game. I'm guessing they're not from Denmark. In Denmark, it's very different, actually. Uh, I know in the U.S., most people are, it's encouraged to get animals from shelters. Yeah. But in Denmark, it just isn't that way. Like, we don't, we don't have these big shelters with rescued animals that need a home. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I just think our system is just different. surplus of animals. Different. Um, there's only v- very few in shelters, and I believe it is mainly... Uh, dogs that have, yeah. I actually, I sh- I shouldn't be speaking about this because I'm not an expert. I needed. I should have asked Susie because she told me about this. Um, but yeah. Anyway, it's very different in Denmark. So if you're from America and it sounds weird, then yeah, just know that the norm in Denmark is very different, and this is completely normal. Uh, now, okay, that's enough about the dog. Let's talk about dotes. Well, I was gonna ask you what. At what age were you potty trained? Oh, um, were you a late bloomer? 16 
Actually, no, I'm still not potty trained. I still take <laughs> still take a dump on people regularly. In you know game, I mean? of course, yes. Yes. Yeah, I was, that's not I was outside, a, though. Or in the in toilet. Terms of, okay, you know, p- people pee the bed later in life sometimes. or Not later. In, well, obviously, when you're old, you need diapers well, or whatever. But I was a late bloomer in terms of peeing the bed, for sure. I can't remember how old I was, but I was probably... 25? Like, first or second grade. Is that normal? Third grade, maybe? I don't know. It was to the point where they had, okay, maybe older. It was definitely past the average age to the point where my mom had to put like a trash bag under, like I'd basically be sleeping on a trash bag (laughs) because I would wake up in the middle of the night and need to pee. But this, this is the thing that's interesting, right? A lot of people just pee and they don't even realize. I knew what I was doing, Cinderin. I was too lazy to get out of bed to go pee. I'm like, eh, I'll just sit in my own urine tonight it's no big deal it's nice and warm That's so you actually it's unbelievable <laughs> it's funny how you know people talk about oh you sh- your personality and what person you really are shapes in your teenage years you fucking yeah. knew when you were seven who you were gonna be that's very that's right. clear you're like i'm when i grow up i want to talk about shit <laughs> while sitting in my own piss there you go it all there worked you out you know yeah, uh let's that's... let's go over a couple reviews if you don't mind cinderman cinderman uh, yeah, you can yeah. take the Let's first go. one, I guess. I can take the other two, since you're lazy. Okay. Sure. I'll do the first one. Smart Pipe AI and Phoenix Suns. What's the Smart Pipe? From Ungers Crambo from Hungary. Oh, that's the first Hungarian one, I think. Mm-hmm. So recently, I've been listening to multiple podcasts, such as Artificial Intelligence with Lex Friedman, or Friedman, I don't know if it's misspelled, and We Say Things with You Guys. In the morning, I was listening to Michio Kaku and how he talks about whether we reach the tier one level on the Kasharev scale. And the next moment, I am deeply into how one of the CS greats talks about Popeye's chicken sandwich conquering the US. Truly remarkable. Keep up, guys. And Suns fan, look up Smart Pipe. Could be useful. For Sin Mangatak, that means thank you very much in Danish. Are you planning to put together a team this season? Looking forward to it. I'm hoping to play competitively at the start of next year. Uh, whether it's a team I put together myself, I don't know yet. But. I definitely still want to play. So, right. cool. Thank, Thank you, you for very that much. beautiful review. Uh, next, we have Captain GG from Canada. Horsepower. I've been listening to this since day one and love every minute. Keep up the good work, guys. Suns fan, give up on reminding Cinderin to watch in Bruges. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink it. Sin, get off your high horse and watch this damn movie already. There's Beyond that, I this lo- doesn't make sense. Listen. You just, he just told you to give up on telling me to go do it. And then the next sentence, he tells me yeah. to watch the movie. Which it's one will it be? He's telling you, not me telling you. It actually oh. is correct. Beyond okay. that, I love the segments where you guys tier things. How often is that one thing can get the list of the best fruits or fast foods straight from the horse's mouth? For that, I felt I owed you a five-star review. Hold your horses. The only way to rate you is on Apple. Super irritating. I agree. But I guess... I shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouse mouth. Fuck, especially after you've <laughs> both done for after all you've done for us. Some of this is comes up weird on my screen. Some symbols. Uh, I yeah. wish Spotify would implement a way to rate your podcast, so I didn't have to sign up for Apple. But at this point, I guess that would just be closing the stable door after the horse has bolted. Colon horse colon. Thank you, friend. Uh, thanks for the reviews as always, guys. We have been getting a, a ton that we can't get to because there's just too many. Uh, okay. So news of the week. Uh, before we get started on Dota-related stuff, Cinderin, well, this is Dota-related. Cinderin and I will be casting on December 5th and 6th Yeah, the We Play qualifiers for the EU division. 
We don't know what teams, but we will be casting. I will have to wake up at five in the morning. So I never want to hear Sundaran complain again about waking up at 1030. You're already awake at five. You're just extending your day. Extending it a lot. That's like that 12 hours. <laughs> what does that even mean? That's my nighttime, my Betty by time. And now it has that to be true. when I wake up. So yeah. That's a hardcore sacrifice. You're really, you're really you. committed to this. I, if it was three days, honestly, I wouldn't have done it, Sindarin. But right. two the days, two days you'll do, you'll do for me. I can handle. I it. really appreciate. That. It's going to be it's a real great. shit show. If you guys want to watch it, be sure to tune in because I haven't cast in feels like years at this point. Good God, probably don't remember half the spell name. But you honestly. probably play more Dota now than you did last you cast. Yeah, that's true. Perhaps. I'm playing a lot of Dota, which we'll get to in a moment. So, so yes. Yeah, so did, did you mention it's the minor qualifiers or did you just say it was the we play qualifiers? Because it is the minor, obviously. And the reason we don't know the teams is that we need to see the outcome of the major qualifiers first, which is running right now. Um, yeah, that's right. But should be good. 5th and 6th of December. Check it out. Um, that will be... I don't remember how many slots Europe gets in the minor. I'm going to say two. Um, but it might only be one. I think it's two. But I'm but yeah. excited because it's a new patch... Things are crazy. We can yeah. talk about neutral items for probably yeah. like eight hours straight. So in terms of like downtime during the cast, there's going to be none of it. I can talk about Fallen Sky forever. Holy shit. Holy shit. We'll get to that in a second. But first, a few patches came out, Cinderin. 6.23A, 6.23B. That's and then a we'll seven, over... Sunsvan. You wrote it correctly. Why are you reading six when it clearly says seven? Did I say six? You said six both times. Six point two three a. We've gone back in time. Uh, troll Wait, when juggernaut. Was that actually, I don't that know. That is more than ten years ago. That's that's more actually around the time I started. Dota it was around, around six point two something. Yeah. Yeah. Seven point two three a and b, and then for some reason a void spirit update essentially that does not yep. count as an a or a b or a c, which I find interesting. Uh, let's start with 6.23a. Did you find anything in here that was worth mentioning? I think for me, the first thing was Mirror Shield, which we talked about potentially being extremely overpowered, now yeah. has been changed to have a 75% chance to proc and a four-second cooldown, which is the bigger deal. Sorry, yeah, no longer has a 75% chance. So 100% chance. Yeah, so it's a guaranteed block. <clears throat> I'm a much bigger fan of this kind of item design on this stuff where you know what the outcome is. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with chance. I don't have a problem with pseudo RNG in particular. But um, the w when there's three quarters of a chance that you block every spell, it becomes a problem because then you're just not favored to cast spells at all. So why would you? Like mathematically, it's better to not cast Bainalty ever on the guy. And that's it was so bad. weird that they now put that in. Now you can though, play right? around it. Yeah, I don't know how that ever made it in. To be honest with you, that's just I just think it was bad design. But the new one is pretty cool because. Um, now it's a guaranteed thing. You need to gauge the pros and cons of it. You know that the first spell you cast will be reflected on you and blocked, like Lincoln's plus Lotus. But then you also know that if you place a trash spell on them, you have four seconds to get a good one off. So again, using the Great Bane example, the Bane can choose to Brain Sap first, take some damage, and then get Grip off. Or he can, yeah, he can cast Nightmare. Uh, I think he can take that off himself. I'm actually... Yes. He can. I don't know if he can when it's cast on a Lotus. He should be able to. Because then the other guy casts it. But yeah, anyway, you get the it's idea. It's similar to That's Rubik interaction, unless they change something. Because Rubik is kind of the same thing, right? 
Um, yeah, man, there's, there's a lot of, even if it used to work, it might be different against Mirror Shield. Like, you never know. It's a bit weird. Yeah, anyway. true. Um, well, I think the main thing for me to highlight is that they changed the item system in this, um, <clears throat> in this patch. The main thing that stood out to me was that they changed it so that you can only get three item drops per tier, whereas before there was no limit, as far as I know. The chance just got absurdly low toward the later por- portion. Yeah. And by capping it at three, what you effectively do is you make it way more likely that the two teams will have the same number of items. And in that way, you kind of reduce the RNG of somebody just getting very lucky and getting fourth, fifth, sixth item on pseudo RNG. Uh, The problem with this, however, is that when you have less items per tier, per team in the game, it's even more important that the items are balanced around being similarly strong. This is not about how good the items are relative to the game itself or relative to items you can purchase. It's relative to the tier that they can drop in. Because now that you're capped at three, imagine there's three bad items and six good ones, just to make it simple. If you get the three bad ones, that's just shit, you know? You can't try to obtain the good ones. Um, apart from that, they changed the drop period a little bit. Don't want to go too much into detail on it. And then they changed the drop rate, which is really important, that it went from 10.5.2.5 to 9.6.3. <clears throat> so the later items, except the first one, are easier to obtain. And that makes it, again, more likely at this time in the game, you have uh, control of your own jungle. So it's overwhelmingly likely that with a bit of effort, you will get three items relatively fast on both teams. So that's right. good. Uh, well, it feels we'll, less RNG. We'll talk less, or we'll talk more in, after this couple segments about what we think of the patch, by the way, guys, just mm-hmm. uh, including the item system. So I don't want to go too into detail on that. But one thing I will say with this change, it de-incentivizes de- jungling, right? Because you get your limit, then you don't, like jungling doesn't benefit you more than it, normally would did before point, yes right? correctly yeah. so that compared to the original system i like more because of that fact especially in the lower tier games where you know people will just be jungling the entire game because that's just what they like to do um yeah. a Outside couple items that, mm-hmm. yeah uh, i just quickly wanted to mention we don't have to go into detail with what they changed on heroes but basically what they did they looked at okay for these first few days what heroes got really high win rates and what heroes got really low win rates and then they just they're just yeah. like okay insta tweak they do this every time there's a new big patch two days after high win rates uh get nerfed and low win rates get buffed so right so snapfire got a buff and void yeah. spirit i was very surprised got a buff uh, we'll talk about that as His well his win rate wasn't very bit. good i think it is it Surprising. was after this patch yeah, but anyway, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah. a couple items that were also changed. Tome of Aghanim no longer exists, which I'm very sad about because I didn't get to actually try it out myself. Uh, Phoenix Ash used to give 30 stats. It no longer does, and it only heals for 50% and of a, instead of 100%. Uh, so that got a major, major nerf. Mega nerf. And another but item that... I mean, the change, the refreshing change could be cool on some heroes. I think it has a different strategic element to it now. Right, so that, mention what that is, by the way, for people that don't know. Yeah. Now refreshes so your when, non-ultimate abilities. Exactly. So when Phoenix... It's the same as if you come out of a Phoenix Egg, basically. The supernova from Phoenix in the game. All your non-ulti cooldowns get refreshed. So in late game on, game on some heroes, this can be really interesting. Like Lone Druid, you can get another Bear Summon. Undying, you can get another Tombstone. Invoker, all your spells are ready again. Uh, there are plays with this that can get really interesting. Um but for the vast majority of heroes, this is a big nerf. It's situational. Uh, but it's cool. For sure. Yeah. Uh, last item that I'll mention, just because it's something, it was one of our trivia questions, the leveler. 
Remember the original item that yep. uh, back in Dota 1 was deleted? It was one of the few items ever deleted. Now they're all in the game at this point with Arcane Ring and obviously the uh, more recent uh, deleted items. But it used to give Demolish, which I think was called Siege Damage back then specifically. Uh, now uh, no longer know. has a cleave or splash effect, but has 25% Demolish, the leveler. So back to its original roots, which at first I was like, holy crap, that's amazing. But then I looked at Tiny. He gets like with the tree, I think 140% Demolish, I want to say, off the top of my head. It's very high. Tiny is a very special case. I saw Sven last night in a match with the leveler. Mm-hmm. He fucking smashed towers. <laughs> it was no joke. He also had ridiculous damage, obviously. But um, you feel it. I, 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 I kind of have a feeling this number might get increased from twenty five percent. I, how much does Londra's bear have? Way more uh, than twenty five percent. I'm trying. I'm gonna find it. Not uh, only his bear now either. Both of them. Oh yeah, I haven't looked too much into this hero, so. Oh, it doesn't say here what the demolish percentage is. I'm sure somebody in chat knows. It's high. Oh, it doesn't seem like it's very big demolish. I think very very. My big. gut says forty percent, but I... that's off old memory. So yeah, not sure. Anyway, so yeah, a lot of items were changed, which you know we were kind of expecting. Uh, heroes tweaked as well, like you said, and then we go to seven point two three B, which is basically the next day. Uh. Tier 1 items now drop at 7 minutes instead of 5. So I believe it's 7, 15, 25, 40, and 70, if I'm not mistaken, for the tiers. Uh, anything in this patch that you think is worth mentioning? I think the first thing that comes to mind for me, because I had some amazing games with Sven, is Titan Sliver. That item uh, used to give 22% attack damage... Uh, magic resist and status now it's 16 instead of 22 so a sizable nerf which was definitely needed uh, philosopher's stone also lowered the gold per minute from 75 to 60 that was a pretty popular one anything jump out to you um well clearly they're trying to balance the items within the same tiers and they're mainly focusing on the first three or four tiers mainly the first three really uh which i think is the way to go for now that's the more important stuff because this is what affects every game uh, every game will have two item tiers minimum. A really short game will end before minute 25, right? Uh, but most games go beyond that. So you want to try to balance the items within the tiers. And the ones that really stand out to me that were maybe too weak or too good, Titan's Liver was definitely too good. Uh, I would say Trusty Shovel was too good, and then they changed it, so the chance of getting bounty runes is way lower. Mm-hmm. Um it has lower cooldown now, so it's more fun when you can dig more often, but the really good drop in the bounty rune got reduced significantly. Um, outside of that, third eye, I always found a little bit underwhelming just because, yes, you get the gem and you get the vision, but there's no... It's an item slot, right, at this point in the game. Now it gives seven all stats, which is a nice boost to the generally support that will be carrying this item. Um, yeah, apart from that, some small changes... Um, Vampire Fangs well, were also too good. They one nerfed. thing we should definitely mention, Mindbreaker was reworked. So now it has a passive True. cooldown, yeah. passively provides 25 attack speed and 25 magic damage on your attacks, which if you remember the item that I really want added to the game, Cinder from Han, changes your physical attacks to Hercules magical. Blade. That's right. It's not quite the same, but in the same category. And the next attack against a hero silences them for four seconds with a 20 second cooldown. This item... It's really so, good. Used it's to funny, be right? like a diffusal, you, you have right? the other okay. one. 
Yeah, and the other one was maybe considered too good or too niche. Like there were <clears throat> there were very few heroes that the old one was really good on, and the rest it wasn't so very good. So they're trying to make the item more appealing broadly across way more heroes, which they have definitely done. But again, when you do that, uh, you take your chance on balance, and you need to see it play out. I think this item's too good. Uh, that's my opinion. I think this yeah. item is too good right now. I mean, if you think about it, Sinner, and we'll get to this again when we talk more in detail about the, the item system, but when there's items that you have to know the enemy has mm. at this stage of the game, which is still relatively early, right? That's the yep. issue that I have. Like, if they get a keen optic, if they get Philosopher's Stone, Pupil's Gift, these things that give stats, maybe some of them have, like, some s- small ability. They're not game-breaking. Mindbreaker mm-hmm. is game-breaking. If you don't know somebody has a silence and it just dropped yep. randomly in the jungle, that's different than you getting an orchid, right? So that's the yeah, issue that I it's- have. I was going to compare it to an Orchid reveal where you're like, you know, the enemy is building it, but you don't know when it's coming. This one, you have like no clue at all. And it's not just the silence. The silence itself is really good, right? It's four second target silence on your attack. So based on which hero you're playing, this could be more or less instant. If you're playing a melee hero that has a mobility spell, like let's say anti-mage to make it easy, you blink on top of someone, then they're just silenced instantly when you hit them. You just burn them out. Or just out of or, like blink, just a normal blink dagger or... Uh, Lothars, for example. Yeah, out of fog. If you're playing sniper, you're just suddenly silenced by a random pellet. You know. Um, yeah. It's on top of this, it gives 25 attack speed and 25 magic damage on attacks. This item is really fucking good. Yeah. Any hero that has good attack speed already just gets a big damage boost out of the magic damage, and it's really convenient. I think for a lot of um, a lot of heroes that have high physical damage, it's actually very nice to get a magic damage component because it makes it harder to itemize against you. Um, just buying armor that you usually do a lot against physical carries doesn't counter this item. <laughs> so it all adds up. It's I'm sure this will get nerfed. It's just way too good. Yep, the way I, I agree. See just way too good. So a bunch of heroes also got some tweaks as well. And the main one that I want to talk about, Cinderin, is Lifestealer. My lord. It used to give... Just his infest without Aghanim Scepter or anything, 100% mm-hmm. move speed to allies, which is max move speed. Um, Wait, did it? Are unlock? you sure? Well, if they have, wasn't like, it like, th- wasn't it like 30, 40, 50 or something move speed? Like, was, was it 100%? Actually? Am I crazy? I think they I think nerfed that it to 50. Way too absurd to get into the game. Like that is fucking. Wait, bonkers. maybe. What am I thinking of? That was 100... Oh, no, no. You're right. It was 50. Now that I think about it, it was 50%. 30, 40, 50, I think, yeah. which is still insane. It's super high. 30% Did they not change that? Am I, am I crazy? They didn't change that? Is it still the same? I think they might have nerfed it oh, in no, no, the no. A patch. I'm sorry. Infest movement speed for heroes is now the same as creep bonus, so it's half. So it's 25%, I believe, at the highest level, which is a huge nerf to the Lifestealer support. Uh, right. And then also, yeah. people were buying Aghanim Scepter nonstop because every time you would jump in uh, a hero, it would give rage, which doesn't give attack speed anymore. It's just like the BKB, essentially. Some movement mm-hmm. speed as well, which is random. But uh, now it doesn't go... Doesn't The cooldown doesn't begin until you have exited the target now. So you can't get like a, a guaranteed BKB. It has to be some timing relating to it, which is much harder to do. And I don't even know if it's viable anymore. It was... I was pretty skeptical, I'm not going to lie, when I first read the Aghanim Scepter, but it was OP. Super OP. Yeah. Do you think support Lifestealer is dead? Or? 
if it is, I will say good riddance. I don't, I don't feel like it was. I mean, in a way, it was fun, but is it really good hero design to just have you sit inside another hero and they just play and you empower them? Like the difference, I think the best parallel I can draw to this is IO, right? Where you could argue that at least historically, IO was way more about making the ally strong than being powerful himself, but there was always the risk of you being a target, right? Like you could get countered or you still had to play positioning and outskill your opponents with clever usage of your other spells. Lifestealer was literally go inside an enemy and make a cup of coffee. You know, like, is that <laughs> is that interesting gameplay? Is it fun? I think it's nice that the option is there. That's the point. I think what they're trying to do here is make plays, like mm-hmm. make it be an option that you can, in the heat of the moment, do something cool like sundering a teammate with Terrorblade, right? To keep them alive. This is like, oh, I'm a carry lifestealer or I am a support, whatever you are. In this moment, I can actually do something crazy by infesting my teammate. That's cool. That's a fun option to have and it makes gameplay interesting. What doesn't is when it's like just mandatory to just sit inside somebody, right? Like that isn't that doesn't seem very fun. So uh, what yeah, I hope was... this change does is that it doesn't take that aspect away because I think it's a fun idea that you can infest allies and do this stuff and have this impact on the game. I just don't want the truck driver. You know, that's not I interesting. I think the two heroes that come to mind that were, I'm sure there's a couple more, obviously way more than that, actually. Leshrac seemed redonkulous and Sven Absolutely seemed busted with redonkulous <laughs> with the lifestealer yeah. infest. So glad that is nerfed heavily. Uh, I agree, though. I, I would like to see some variation of this still be somewhat viable uh, just because it's new. I mean, this is honestly a lot of this stuff. And I, if I said this like four or five years ago, people people would get triggered. But now I don't think they are. These are all ideas from Heroes of New Earth. There's a, a hero that uh, called Parasite, actually, ironically enough, with Slack's god-awful idea. But Parasite from Han, the idea, he was a support hero that infested, essentially. You buy Dagon mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Very annoying, <laughs> and a lot of times you just stay inside of a neutral or uh, inside of a hero for a very long period. So that is six point seven point two three B. There were there was also an update today, nerfing Void Spirit finally. Which uh, just to give you a quick rundown, Dissimilate was slightly nerfed in terms of damage by twenty at all levels. Cooldown was increased by two. Mana cost slightly increased by ten at all levels. And I think the big one. The level 15 talent uh, reduced it from 150 resonant pulse damage, which is his uh, E, I believe. Should also mention that the cooldown and mana cost you just talked about was also that spell. Dissimilar lost 20 damage, but resonant pulse got a cooldown increase and resonant pulse got a mana cost increase. So that's the spell that got nerfed the most, clearly. And that is the one that gives him physical block and AoE damage. Right. It felt really good. So he had a 60% yeah. win rate last I checked at pretty much all levels. Um, Snapfire is about at 50%. So let's talk about our impressions of the patch. Mm-hmm. And we can start with the new heroes. I want to hear what you have to say first because uh, I have some very right. strong thoughts. Um, I think Void Spirit looks... The thing about all these spirit heroes, actually all, every single one of them, is that the type of gameplay that they promote, I think is really appealing to watch. It's always fun mm-hmm. when people are mobile, when they do flashy stuff, um, when they can outskill opponents by being, you know, it's it's the type of hero, in my opinion, Void Spirit is the type of hero that's a bit difficult to balance in the start because an expert of the hero will just look super broken. 
because it's so much about uh, understanding your movement limits and your cooldowns. And most players can't really take advantage of it. Um, it's similar to if you remember when Earth Spirit came out, people weren't really playing it. And then there were these people that spam it and just was like, holy fuck, this hero is busted, right? Yep. Um, and Voice Spirit kind of is in that category, maybe not as broken as the original Earth Spirit, but uh, it's fun. I think it looks fun. Uh, haven't played it personally yet. Really? But, um, wow. Playing against it and reading over its spells, it seems, uh, and I played with it one game as well. It seems really cool. Snapfire seems a little, still a little awkward, maybe. Like you were talking about how the third skill, what's it called, Little Shredder, um, didn't really fit the hero design. I said I don't personally have a problem with it. I still don't. But when I see it in the games, it seems a little less. Um, straightforward or a little less clear how you build a composition with this hero what kind of lanes you want to play uh, what kind of items you want to buy which in a way is interesting because you can get creative and there's no like defined style for what you should be doing um, but maybe like wh what's the what's the synergy in the hero with itself, right? Like when you look at other heroes, there's a bit more logic, maybe. To I exactly thought you how... disagreed with me on this when we first. Yeah, talked. now I've seen it. Now I've seen it played a bit, um, and I, it's just it's a bit hard to put exactly into words. It's just when you're playing with or against this hero, it just it's just a bit weird and quirky. It is, um, but I I don't necessarily think the solution is to rework spells. I think just rebalancing them. Uh, can go a long way because you can make the individual spells strong and um, and get over it, get through it that way. But she she's if I had to just choose right now which one is the more complete design, it's definitely the Void Spirit. Like right, and she still probably needs some work. She's balanced though, apparently. But okay, here's the thing, Cinderin. I've played mm -hmm. the absolute shit out of both of these heroes, like a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm usually like Pango was the same. I was obsessed with him. These two heroes, especially Void Spirit, I love. Holy crap. These are some fun heroes. So Void Spirit, I have pretty much no complaints about. I think in terms of concept, obviously he was overpowered, but they brought him back down to earth. Hopefully we'll see. He just feels super fun, like everything about him. And I don't think it's that complicated to play. Like Earth Spirit is too complicated for me. Uh, Ember Spirit mm -hmm. is too complicated for me. Storm Spirit, uh, I wouldn't. I agree with you that he's not as complicated as, as the rest, but for whatever reason, it's just never been a hero that has interested me. But Void Spirit fits right. every one of my play styles, and I'm loving it. Uh, been playing him as a mid hero, feels very strong. I mean, with the sixty percent win rate, obviously he's quite overpowered. So I was going like getting twenty plus kills consistently, but mm -hmm. not that that's you know that crazy at my yeah, skill level. But. I, yeah, the, the, the thing that I think you should always be a little bit careful with when you rebalance these heroes is that I think a lot of the power spike that they get early on is just lack of knowledge from the enemy, right? Yes, that's true. Like, if you are the player who's playing it a lot and the enemy team has multiple players that don't play the hero or very rarely play it or only face it like once or twice, it will obviously look better than it is. Uh, mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's not too good, but generally on release good heroes that are good for the player that play them will have a good win rate until people learn um and it should just drop organically over time as people understand it better i mean um, it's, it's yeah. similar to our community hero project from back in the day when we would come out with a new hero and i'm adamant because i've played it a lot that this hero 
feels pretty balanced. It'll seem mm-hmm. completely OP when people have no idea what they're going up against, right? Yes. So it, it is one of those slippery slopes where you can't react too fast. Uh, I mean, Valve has a lot more data than we would have for a mod like that, so mm-hmm. I'm not too worried. But either way, just the feel of the hero, the concept, everything about him, I absolutely love. Then going to Snapfire, I agree that it feels kind of clunky, but I've been having a, de- a pretty good time with the hero, consistently getting a lot of kills. It does not, and this is where we can talk a little bit. I made a tweet about this earlier. It does not feel like mm-hmm. a support hero to me at all. Uh, the Q, I, 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 let me just talk about it from a core perspective, okay? Because mm-hmm. that's all I play. Yeah. The Q is nice for the laning stage. Just having like a level one version that's just for the slower, whatever, is fine. I think. Guarantees CS as well, right? Yes, guarantees CS. Yeah. Uh, the E is really good for not only getting great items like Diffusal or Deso or any proccing items, because the level 20 talent, which I know that's kind of far down the line, but the 20 talent where you can use your attack damage really synergizes well with the E. If, like we talked about, even though it doesn't change your position or it's not vector targeting like Pango Q, it's the same concept as that completely, except it scales better because damage items actually will scale with you once you get to level 20. The ult does not synergize at all with any of his abilities, her abilities, because it is so mega long range, but it's still really powerful. And I will say when you play like the core Snapfire, it feels like you just got to choose to use it first or you just use it last. Like you don't typically, yeah. it doesn't synergize. It's like you're too far away for it to be useful, mm-hmm. um, for your other skills to be useful and vice versa. So it is kind of weird. And then I'm going to say this right now. In its current iteration, I know they buffed it. I think Cookie is one of the worst spells in the game. I think it's fucking horrifically bad. It's situationally good. But if you, especially if you're playing it as a core, I think it's almost useless most of the time. Like it gives you a little bit of jump. The, the projectile is way too slow. Yeah, way I was going to say that too. Slow. That's it the is, biggest problem. If they change that to be twice as fast, the spell would just be good, right? But mm-hmm. again, the, the, the idea of the, the, the concept of the hero, it feels like a mishmash of abilities. I'm still having fun with the hero because I'm destroying with it, but not necessarily a huge fan of the concept itself. But my question to you is, do you, I don't know how much you've actually seen so far. Do you think it's better as a support or a core? When I say core, it's like off lane, like a pango. Mm. I think that's hard to answer because one of the big strengths of it as a support is just the inherent power of the ulti, like how yeah. much fucking damage it does and how safely you can play and not get caught. Um, I think the reason Valve think of it mainly as a support is Snapfire Cookie as a supporting ability that empowers an ally to go in because you don't really want to do that yourself unless you're farmed, right? Like you just put yourself in a bad position if you jump in with fire snap cookie but since it's so slow it's not a really it's not a feel good supportive spell to use i just think it's way too slow um the core the the little shredder spell that we considered mainly a core spell is actually super good in the laning stage for supporting uh it's very very high damage and is a great lane harassment tool Um, it's really good against towers as well holy shit yeah they fortify the tower you use your e that like mitigates so much damage it's crazy um yeah i think i think overall it's a bit 
undefined for me still because I see the appeal of playing this as a core. You get fast levels, so you get the Mortimer kisses really early. Uh, the scatter blast scales pretty well for farming when you have it on level four and you get the 50% point blank range, you can super quickly clear creep waves and farm the jungle. Um, but it might be one of those heroes where you're like, you get farmed on this guy, but how do you actually scale? Like the level, it feels good to get six. It feels good to get 12. Um, it feels good to hit that like first power spike when you have both the scatter blast and the little shredder at high levels. You're like really strong for an interval, but then in a way for me, it maybe gets a little bit of core Skyrath syndrome where you're like super powerful for five to 10 minutes. And then what's your end game here? Like what's the scaling? Is little shredder good enough that you can play this hero late game and own shit or not. And I just don't have a feel for that. What I do have a feel for is how good it is as a support for, you know, a while with Mortimer kisses and with, uh, fire snap cookie in the right situations. Right. Uh, but I, I, I'm pretty sure what you can get out of this, like when we talk about it, it's like Little Shredder is good in laning, but then it's not good for supports anymore. Scatter Blast is good in the early game for farming, but then it's not, it's hard to use it anymore as a support without getting out of position. So it's just a little bit clunky, you know? Um, Do you think we'll the cookie is her worst spell right now? Probably yes. Probably, come on! So. You can be more emphatic, but it's easily like it's not even remotely yeah, close. I just, I just don't have enough experience. Because if I was playing this as a support, like how would you scale it as a support? Let's say that first. Then you can use that as your judgment. That's that's a good question. I have no idea. What would you max? You have uh, to choose something, right? As support, Cookie would never. I would maybe second. You get Cookie after like getting a level of either your Q or Q and E. You would never so max. Better cookie to first. max. Ooh. Scatter Blast or Shredder? I think it's your support now. Okay. Wait, which? Sorry, I don't even know the names. The E. What are the E's called? Little Shredder. Little Shredder. I think that's better than the Q by far. So you're basically playing a support who does single target physical damage mm-hmm. and has no control, more or less, or limited control. Right. It's it's weird, right? Because then when you hit level six, you feel like a boss because that old fucking owns. But until then, but it's, it's just weird it's because. Weird. Her ult does not synergize with any of her abilities. It's a really good spell, don't get me wrong. It's actually relatively easy to get some kills, especially if you have like some wombo mm-hmm. combo. You just need one stun, really, and you can blow somebody up. If you have like a Chronosphere, Magnus RP, something like that, it's just a team mm-hmm. wind if you get a good initiation. It synergizes, it, synergize it synergizes with Cookie, but only if you have the right type of teammate, and that's too niche, right? You need to throw the Cookie on a teammate who can then catapult himself into the fight, and then you can kiss. Okay. But it's that's kind of forced synergy. I don't know. That's exactly that's what I mean. It's like anti mage or slark. Yeah. You get the idea. Somebody that gets themselves in after you throw that cookie. Um, and I think in conclusion, that's kind of what feels the weirdest about this because all of the spells are cool and all of them are good, but you don't set yourself up for success. And most heroes nowadays kind of do that, mm. uh, either by having a strong disable that sets up for a damage combo like Lena or. Um, having really good supportive tools and then being played in that direction primarily, like say something like Abaddon, who's more defensively oriented. Uh, that doesn't mean... I think Abaddon is actually a good hero to just talk about when you talk hero design. Because if I if I showed you Abaddon now and you'd never heard of him, you would be like, this Curse of Avernus spell is just weird on this hero. That will be your little shredder. 
of a bad end because like he has two defensive spells he has a heal and a shield why does he have an on hit slow as a melee hero but i think that's a really good example of how you can make a hero cool with different directions i I actually disagree i think it's synergized because he's tanky his spells that make him tanky so he can be up front and personal and just hit people so it does synergize in a way unlike little shredder yeah, but yeah, I, I I agree. I still think it synergizes better, but I think it's you know it's an example of something where the first time you read it, it wouldn't be like, huh? I thought this guy was like, you know. So here here's the thing. So I think, and again, I'm not I'm not saying I'm a pro player. I'm like divine level or whatever. Mm-hmm. I personally think that the semi carry snapfire is better than support right now. The question is, will okay. Valve, if this is true, let's just assume this is true for a moment, will mm-hmm. Valve change it to be more supporty in the future? Because it is listed technically as a support hero. Yeah. And I think even though I wouldn't have as much fun if it was a support hero, I think it is important for there to be a strength range support hero in the game. Because mm-hmm. uh, the role just is, there's so few and far between in terms of that those actual classifications. So if they do that, they need to nerf E. I think it's way too good. It scales way too well into the late game um again i'm not claiming to be some pro player or anything but it feels if you build for it it feels really strong really i would would just i would love to see them really give the cookie some love and then see um yes and if if the hero's win rate right now is 50 percent, and that's it's still a bit low for a new hero, right? Let's remember the argument from before. And I know it goes both ways because you could be like, well, if the enemy team doesn't know how to play against it, your team maybe doesn't know how to play with it or Mm. uh, you are not that good yet. So having 60% win rate is really, really high. I still think, I think it will skew things. I think new heroes having a higher than 50% win rate does not mean they're imbalanced necessarily. Keep in mind, she was... It favors the player who plays the hero more then it's a disadvantage for the enemy team uh, or, a dis- or a disadvantage from his own team not knowing how the hero works. The player they, has higher impact buff her. by knowing. Her stats were buffed <clears throat> majorly. She got two armor yes. and one yeah. entire point per level in terms of strength gain. That's huge. She got way tankier, which is kind of a core buff. Because that... In, in, it, it, I, well, I don't know. I feel like that's a bit of a forced way of thinking, but it mainly affects her ability to go in and that means it's about fire snap cooking yourself primarily, right? Like being yeah. tankier is always good, whatever role you play. But I mean, uh, when it is I'm a little bit more of a core direction for as, me. As as the core snap fire, the cookie feels somewhat okay sometimes on me because there's no projectile. That's the real issue here: is the projectile. Yes. The effects exactly. I think is fine. Like it can be strong. It's just the range is god awful. I know they buffed it from 500 to 700. It's still god awful range and super slow projectile. So I think they'll end up giving that some love in the future. If I could rebalance this hero right now, I would make Fire Snap Cookie way faster. I don't know what the speed should be, but I think only change that. Nothing else about the spell. Make the fire, make the cookie faster. Maybe a little more cast range. Those two aspects, nothing else. Keep the damage, keep the stun, keep the cooldowns. And then make a little shredder clearly worse on the low levels it can still scale really well like right now it's 270 364 55 40 maybe it could be 200 300 400 500 or something just so it's not this like super stupid laning spell that does all this damage and then Mm -hmm. it can incentivize this way of playing with the cookie because the way i see it right now this spell just doesn't seem good to level like 
when it's this unreliable and this situational, it's like, I don't know what's a good spell to compare it to in Dota, but I feel like if you have a spell that half the time you actually can't use, that feels bad. Yeah. Like, it's if you don't have an ally in front of you that's close to the enemy team, the spell is literally almost useless. Or if and they're not facing they, the right direction. Like, it has to, yeah. it's a specific scenario where it's good right now. And the defensive aspect of it is, it's, it's cool and it can be useful, but it's not, it's not awesome, you know? So maybe if it's used on eh, whatever, I'm sure they'll be changing some things in the future, but I will say, I I, I think overall, even though it's kind of a mess of skills, I've still been having fun with the hero. Honestly, I think Uh, the spells are great fun. It's a fun design for sure. Void spirit though feels, it feels to me like it did when Pango came out. I am having so much fun on this hero, Cinderin. Holy crap. Super, it's super a, cool. It seems super fun. It really does. Okay, so next thing, let's talk about the outposts and their effect on the game. I personally have loved these. I, I was neutral with positive outlook, if you will, when it first mm-hmm. was announced. I think it just makes the game feel more structured, especially on a lower level, because you always have something to go for every five minutes. It incentivizes more fighting. It gives more experience in gold, obviously, which speeds up the game quite a bit. From my perspective, this has been nothing but a win. But I'm interested to hear what your perspective is. Um, yeah, I was when we talked about it. I remember saying I think it's really good we get a different uh, a different objective around the map to fight for than just bounty runes and roche. And I feel like it's delivered. Whether the channel time is correct and the vision is correct and the reward is correct is something else. But I just think the way it impacts the game is a good thing. So I'm giving it thumbs up. For now, at least in in what it does for games. Do you think it's um, too snowballing? I think it's very hard to control both of them. That's the thing. Like, if you are able to control both outposts every five minutes, then you deserve it. That's the way I see it. Like, they're on direct opposite sides of the map, and if you as a team want one outpost, you can smoke as five, go there, and take the fight, and. There are two possible options. Either you overwhelm your opponent, they're, maybe they're not there, or they're there with a set number of heroes, or you, and you overwhelm them. Or they are all five and they're ready for you, and then it's like a strategic outplay and they read your move, which is also great. If you, Because the teleport is six seconds, it gets really difficult to defend when the enemy jumps you. Mm. If the teleport was three, it would be really different, because then you could suddenly defend it much easier. But because of the long teleport time, I, I think it's fine. Um, I don't know yeah. how imbalanced cool. it is right now, if at all. It could be totally balanced. I think a cool idea, though, uh, that popped into my head, if it is imbalanced in some in some ways in terms of like being too snowbally, you could just move the two bounty runes that are connected to it somewhere else on the map. So then you have four bounty runes sure. that are not connected. Yep. That's the goal that you can get. That's six different things you need to get, right? So you're not going to get them all mm-hmm. anyway. And then two experience points. So it's just all about priorities in your specific game. Yeah. But so far, I I've had definitely no like that too. <clears throat> I don't think the bounties need to be there. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So moving on to couriers, I, <laughs> I personally haven't. I mean, again, I'm not on the pro level. I don't think people at my like 5k level or whatever it is will be using couriers in terms of like using items at the end of the game. It's just too much micro. Everything else regarding the couriers, I have absolutely loved. Not having to fight over the courier um, mm-hmm. has been incredible the biggest quality of life changed in a very very long time for dota i have absolutely loved it the fact that it's connected to your your gold uh per second 
still a little bit weird for me, but it incentivizes, you know, taking care of your courier. It's not just some turbo mode courier that can't die. Uh, so overall, I think this has been a huge win from my, from my side. Do you agree or disagree? I want to change one thing if I could right now. I okay. think the courier sh being flying should be time-based and not level-based. And the reason is, <clears throat> the reason it was good before with the time base was that you're just this point in the game where, um, how to explain, like the ramp up of importance of getting items out or the hassle relative to what you're doing on the map. The three minutes, it was like an arbitrary time that they put in, but it just honestly made a lot of sense. The problem now is if you're a support, your courier gets flying pretty slow. That's a problem you probably haven't had because you've played mid a lot and core. But the position five in the game might not have a flying courier until minute nine. And if you're sending Get out fucked. wards or you're sending out items to yourself, not only is it really slow, they also nerfed the move speed on the, on the ground one, I believe. So it's like really fucking slow. Yep. There are so many heroes that are good at hunting couriers that are way buffed because of that aspect. Because now there's five couriers to kill. So playing five and getting your stuff from the courier is just honestly a lot harder than you would think when you just saw the patch notes. It's actually a pretty big nerf to five's ability to move around the map with the courier. And then maybe what we're going to see is what I don't think is intended for what might end up happening is that whoever on the team gets level five first shares their courier in pro dota because the other people need access to a flying courier it's just way more efficient to have a flying courier yeah that's you true. probably hit like two or three cores at around the five or six minute mark those three couriers will be used the two others will be standing in base like so are you, you saying they would literally share it like in the top left or they would just move it themselves they'd micro it they would literally share it top left i think that's a, would be a good idea because like yeah. sending out the ground couriers for the supports is a risk they're slow they get one shot and if they die you lose your gpm like in those stages of the game, you don't need five couriers. We've been able to do with one for a long time. So mm. you could definitely do with three. And I just don't think that was the intended effect. So how about we just give everyone their flying courier at the same time? They could make it five minutes if they wanted. Like if they thought three minutes was too early or that it gave too big of an advantage to certain lanes or whatever, you could streamline it. You could say everybody gets flying courier minute five. It allows the ground hunting uh, courier heroes to still flourish in the first five minutes of the game, bounty hunters, furions, whatever, kill the couriers when they move out with items, but make it easier for supports to have access to a, yeah, a useful courier idea. at some point in the game. I mean, but right now, everything is tied to the hero themselves. It's like a, an extension yes. of themselves, which I think is a cool idea. It's a cool um, idea, but... So you would just separate one of those aspects. I still don't like... Or I haven't really seen... It. I still don't like the idea of the items on couriers, though, but I haven't really seen What if you make the courier flying at level four? That's around minute three mid, and it is the difference from level four to five on lane supports is big in how long it takes. Right. It is, it can be two to three minutes difference. Um, I would already be much happier if it was level four, and I wouldn't be mad that my the mid players get a flying courier that bit faster because it would be, still be back to like somewhat close to what it used to be. So, what's the earliest you get level four on mid if you don't get fed? I don't know the timings of anything. Three and a half minutes? It's pretty fast, think, though. Maybe. I want to say... I mean, the thing, even if it's flying, it's still really slow. So it's not like it is inherently that it, big it of is, an advantage. It is. Unless you micro um, it's the way it, It's the way it can traverse terrain, right? Yeah. Like, being ground just is a huge limitation for how you can move the courier and how you can move your hero as a result, right? Um, 
especially if you're playing in a minefield of courier snipers, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's really hard to use. So outside of that, I was pretty negative about the possibility of the courier warding, but it not unlocking it until level 15 hasn't seemed like too big of a problem because the thing that I referred to with the old 652 E patch from many years back that was super bad was when couriers could ward from level one because the supports weren't moving to ward. They just sent out the courier and it was just warding. It was super mm-hmm. stupid. Level, fi- level 15 is pretty late into the game. So at that point, people establish map controls in various ways with smokes and stuff. So uh, I think I don't think that was as seen, bad as I thought it would be. Have you seen a lot of the item usage for couriers yet? No, not a single time. Yeah, me neither. It's super gimmicky anyway. Like level 25, the, your hero is probably stuck out first before you start putting items on the courier. I just think it, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to make some movie moments, but it's not important. It feels like a lot of so, pressure to micro, you know? from a lower skill perspective. I'm sure the pros don't mind because it's like a free, somebody in chat was saying a free Midas. That's actually a really good use of that once you run out of slots on a hero. Um, yeah, level 25 though. Who buys a Midas on level 25? Well, no, it's an old Midas that you oh, have Oh, you keep game. your Midas and then when you're 25, you put it in career. Fair yeah. enough. That's a good point. Yeah. That's something but, uh, you would probably do. Yeah. it's That was the one thing I was not, I was kind of negative about, but haven't really seen it. So I guess I can't really say anything about it. We'll just when have to wait and see. Level twenty-five. Like, I mean, it's it's earlier than usual. Like earlier than older yeah. patches. The games are way faster now. And I will say, mm-hmm. I would want to say this before I forget. I think XP talents should be one hundred percent removed from the game if they're going to keep the current system in place. I agree. I think they're super broken. There's literally no reason in most games. I don't know how it is on the pro level, but in pub games, there's no reason not to skill your XP talent now. Because usually you're getting 25 in a game. If you get an XP mm-hmm. talent, you will get 30 if the game is like 40 minutes long, which most of them will be in that vicinity. XP so, talents are too good. I agree. Way too good. Um, and I think conceptually, yeah. it's an. I think it's just not a good way to balance a hero like if you think about it right if heroes are balanced and have a a fair win rate when they have an xp talent it basically means that the core aspect of the hero is too weak do you follow like what i mean here if you need an experience boost to get a 50 50 win rate the hero in itself is not good enough and the xp talent should be changed for something that improves your kit gives your spell something funny like cast range or damage or whatever it is like some other spells have and then phase out these i think i've been a fan of that for i think i said it way back that i think first of all the respawn talent should be removed and they were so that was great ideally for me ideally for me all gpm xpm and respawn talent should be removed and they've done one out of three because again it's like it's artificial inflation of the hero. You know what I mean? Like you're just you're putting GPM talent on a hero, and then you're like, now it can scale. I mean, yeah. How couldn't we make the talent more interesting? Like, it's not. It doesn't feel fun to get a GPM talent. It's just like nice. Now I can get toward an item later in the game. I will get gold or XPM mm-hmm. talent. I will get stronger faster. But what if you got something that gave you an immediate return on investment, like Venomancer's reduced Gale cooldown talent, or? Uh, some sort of boost to a spell damage on a spell or you know whatever it could be something more creative and and fun because the talents basically have limitless potential right you could do whatever you want with them as a game design which is very has to be awesome freedom but at the same time difficult to balance Uh, gpm and xpm are just the least interesting ones i think 
Yep. And I, something I that... But they feel if you good. Think about, That's the thing. So they feel really good. A, a bit of the inspiration that talents probably took from is Heroes of the Storm, right? Where every talent they had would improve one spell of your hero, as far as I know. It was always a spell change. And I'm not saying all of the talents need to be that. I think it's fine to have some flat damage increase or flat magic resist increase or whatever it is. Because um, it feels more like, uh, you know, it's that impact timing. It's where now your hero is, does something different. It does something better. Whereas GPM is like, this will be nice in 10 minutes I'm building up. And I get the strategic depth and aspects that you get out of being able to kind of build up and ramp up like that. I just don't know how fun it is. Right. Um, I still I still like GPM more than XPM though. Like if you put me on the spot and you said remove one, I would remove XPM in a heartbeat and give it something else. Why? I think GPM is softer. The first but... hero that I got 30 on, I've only gotten it twice since this patch came out, was Weaver. Why does he have mm-hmm. an XP talent? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Crazy. It's really good. Getting 30 on that hero feels so good. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh hero changes that you like from this patch. I, I will give a shout out to Sven Ags. That has been a huge amount of fun. Not having to buy Blink Dagger on him has been amazing. It feels really mm-hmm. good. Apparently, it was taken from Dota Imba. I don't know if you know that. It was that's been in the oh, game no for idea. years, no, I had no idea. actually. Um, and then Magnus Ags, I, I'm not gonna say I love it. I've just seen a lot of clips of it. The skewer four second cooldown with uh, Octarine Core, Arcane Rune, and the whatever that item is that drops from the jungle that gives you CDR. Mind quickening charm. My yeah, my god, that thing is filthy. You know, just discuss. This is a gr- this is great because I'm I looked at the I looked at the outline for today and I was like, oh, he's going to talk about these, huh? And your your perspective on this is so different from what mine is and what I was really? going to talk about. So that's fun, yeah. Huh? Because I was going to open up saying these two items are so fucking broken. <laughs> <laughs> there is well, no, no. no way. Hold on. I thought when you when you were Magnus, on the hero change and you had it here. I don't, I don't play Magnus. I agree Magnus is super broken. I'm just talking about things that have popped out from this patch. Right. I don't like it. Sven Ags, I do like, and I will defend to the death because it's fucking awesome. Okay? It How is dare so you? fucking good. Like, yes. Good. He needs it. So, he sucks. Okay, so here's... The problem I have here is that this was part of the, cri- uh, the criticism I have had of the previous patch as well. When they made that big Ags drop patch where every hero got an Ags, to make it exciting, to make it different, so they need to be like, the designs are crazy, right? And it's really difficult to gauge at the time which ones are broken. It turned out the Wisp one was totally fucking busted, right? A TI. And there were, I would say, a lot of the top tier heroes at that tournament were specifically top tier because the Ags were so good. And I think the Ags, I believe I've used this wording before, I think it should be an extension of the hero rather than define the hero, right? It's good when it's a choice that makes it cool, not when when I get my Ags, I'm a fucking god. Like, I, I, don't, no. I don't feel like that's the way the item should be. But the crazier that you make the Ags, the more likely it gets that they just become a breaking point for heroes that totally define them in the game. And... It's fun to have crazy axe. I'm not going to deny it. The Sven axe and the Magnus axe, they're fucking hilarious. Well, they look fun. It looks Magnus, like it'll be super fun to play. The Magnus axe isn't crazy. That's not even an interesting concept. It's just CDR. It just lowers the cooldown and changes the cast point. Like It is insanely not, good. Like it's, you, I'm not saying it's not good. I'm saying it's a very right. boring concept. They could easily change that to oh, something okay. that's cool. Sven axe sure. is cool and I good think, and amazing. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, conceptually, reducing cooldown and removing mana cost isn't that interesting. But when you do it on a spell that provides mobility and lets you move enemy heroes, it feels really fun, right? Like, the, the concept itself is not revolutionary by any means, but it, it's super fun to play. And it's also fun to watch. But the competitive part of it, like, in me, I watched a game yesterday. I watched Nigma versus um, Singularity. One team had Sven and the other one had Magnus. And I just felt the whole game revolved around these two acts. Like, I felt like that was the game I was watching. It was, can Magnus skewer heroes to Fountain? Or can Sven <laughs> turn himself into a Stormhammer and blast two heroes instantly? It's like, it, it it's, just not, it's just not what I want it to be. And maybe I'm in a minor- minority here. I don't know. I think a lot of people love this crazy shit. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have like crazy concepts and wonky stuff i think it's good for the game and i think it's fun it's just the values are just busted on this right now and i i don't know because how do you nerf like let's let's talk svenax quickly how do you nerf it what it does is you turn into the storm hammer yourself and when you arrive at the target you get a free physical hit in so basically echo saber has been removed on sven like nobody will buy it ever you buy eggs it's better i bought it and (laughs) eggs well that's just overkill because you like it's Get rid if of the the, the moment hit. you hit the axe, you also get the echo saber for free, right? Right, more or less. So just get rid of the auto attack. That's an easy fix. It's still good. You don't have to buy blink dagger. It gives you extra stats. Yeah, but you don't is it good, good enough then? I think it is. Then I don't know. It, it's tricky because maybe you arrive at the target and you do a hit for half damage, something like this. I I'm sure you can tweak it, but right now it's bust. The Magnus one, the values are way off. Like, yeah, why is it so low? Is it four seconds to start with Ag? Four seconds cooldown, zero mana cost. What's the normal cooldown? What, what does it go from? Uh, I'm not a much of a Magnus player. Let it's me like check. 15 seconds or something like that is my guess. I don't really play the hero at all. Uh, By the okay, way, just, where is Arise? Has he come back to the scene with this patch? Because <laughs> <laughs> that is a Magnus god if I've ever seen one before. Let's see, skewer cooldown. Skewer cooldown level four, 20. 20 to four. Like... Just make it like seven, eight seconds. Like why? Why is it? And the mana four? cost went from eighty to zero. Yeah, I, I'm I fine think with the zero mana cost. Whatever. The over the thing about the zero mana cost that you have to remember is this hero has blink now. That's basically what it does. Yeah. You can just travel across the map. You get super. When you get this item on Magnus, it does everything. It gives you catch. It gives you farming speed. It gives you escape. It gives you travel time. Like. There's literally no reason to not buy this item because it's just objectively the best. And that's yeah. the problem that I have with it, right? I want the agonims to be a choice, not... Like, if you... Currently, the way I look at this game and when I look at this eggs, if you're not buying this item, you're making a mistake in mm-hmm. every game when you're not buying it. And that's not how it should be. It should be you're buying it because it's good in this game or because I, I think this is a timing when it's great. too unrealistic, though, to have that outlook. You know, it's... I think you can have it I'm as an ideal. Yeah, I'm personally right? fine with a hero needing ags. I just don't want all of them to need ags. You know, a few of them, I, I think want... it's fine. This is just too good. That's all it is. It just needs a, right. a nerf. But that's that's the point for me, right? Like, I I would like the design ideal for ags to be we try to get to a point. And I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying it's even possible with the current designs we have. But just ideally, every ags is fun, unique, does something cool to the hero, and is a choice. Um, that's the ideal world. Yes. That is super difficult to do, clearly. I'm not saying Icefrog did a shitty job or that this is easy. I'm just, I'm giving my feedback. Like, if I was designing this, I would not have done a better job. Like, this is fucking right. hard, okay? So, uh, we're not, 
throwing tomatoes at them on the stage and saying, boo, you were fucking bad at balancing the game. That's not the point here. Uh, but I think it's important to call a spade a spade. And on this one, it's just, it's just too good. And it will get nerfed. I will guarantee it. Um, it's always dangerous. I have, you've been using this word a little bit lately because some things have been a bit crazy. When you have a spell that has so many different uses and you take the mana cost and the cooldown this low, um, I'm sure when the beta testers and Icerog or whatever were looking at this and thinking about it, they were probably not thinking too much about the secondary benefits. Because the obvious benefit is, oh, in teamfights, it's fucking fun. You can skewer in, you can RP, you can skewer out, you can like have this mobility and stuff. It's like that added element of map traveling, the added element of farming speed that really ramps up this item. Um, if you could somehow imagine a world where you had four second cooldown, but only when you had taken hero damage, the item would actually not be that broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just like, it's that's really weird design, right? Then you're trying to get hit so you can start casting skewer, but you get I, mean, I feel like this one, you just increase the cooldown. Like, that's all there is to it. It's not. I don't, I don't think, think the mana cost should be zero either you can i mean the thing about the mana cost like what are you going to make it you can make it like 50 because if you have 40. octarine core like all the mags have been getting you're not going to run out of mana anyway so yeah but then you have octarine core true that's later in the game now you've sure. paid another five thousand gold i mean now you've you no, know okay. now that's, you've that's earned it point. yeah if, if now if you've you just, earned being i've OP. seen people people go treads ags on this hero right now okay and they just skewer around the map and farm camps <laughs> and then when there's time for a team fight they skewer it like come on i mean look at it, it just right? shows how deep in the hole this hero was previously right just non-existent but uh okay i like okay, it all right let's get to the big that. topic I, we're, we're getting deep into this podcast syndrome but this, yeah. let's try not to take too long in this next topic the neutral items mm. what is our what are our thoughts on this a little less than a week after we have talked about it i played a lot you've played a decent amount what do you think of neutral items now mm. just like in the start i wasn't angry at the concept or wasn't hating i was worried about the relative strength of the items within their tier and it's already been improved a bit the chance of them dropping has been changed the number the cap on the items has been introduced um i'm not i think the reason i'm saying i'm not so negative about it and i'm like you know that's already a negative outlook is that pretty much everybody in the high brackets of the game thought they were bad and uh, should not be in the game um, but like given time, I think it's a, overall going to be a good addition to the fun of the game and make it more interesting. So uh, right now, obviously, we talked about how we think Mindbreaker, the current one, is too good. So that's the kind of item that needs to be changed, for example. And then we need more weeks and months to balance the items within their tiers. But when we get there, I think I think it's fun. It's exciting, right? Like think about yourself when you're playing the game. When you hit that minute seven, you're like, oh. Now I can go and get neutral items. You know, it's it it feels fun to play, mm-hmm. and that's a huge, it's massively important, right? Um, yeah. So I'm not I'm not too upset. And everybody who's like, man, these tier five items, it's about which one you get. It's super broken. That needs again, it's the same logic. The tier five items need to be at a point where it's not about you getting that fucking broken drop and winning the game, but more about okay, this is a seventy minute game already. All of these items are good. Can we get some? That that's a way of Ice Frog saying, right. "Please end the fucking game already." Jesus yeah. Christ! Let me ask you this before I give you my thoughts. Mm-hmm. The tier five items. Uh, I've only had two games that have gone to that point, and I played a lot of games since mm-hmm. this came out. So it's not like that happens very often. 
Fallen Sky. This item is so fucking good and so fucking fun. Let me ask you if you think this is too overpowered, though. Mm -hmm. So in my game, I was Pango, as usual. I'm seven slotted with ags uh, consumed. This item drops. My drow has a blink. She purchases Meteor Hammer. She combines it. She gives it to me. It still works. Fallen Sky. Do you think it should be that way? Right. Um, I don't know what the right answer to this is. I'm just, it's interesting because yeah. I didn't realize that's how it worked with the ones that yeah, you have to combine Yeah, I know. The, the completed item can be used by everyone if it is a completed item from a neutral camp. Um, yes. I personally don't think so. I think the way it should be is that the neutral recipe that you find is shareable and then you need to choose who will use it and that person needs to own the items that combine into it. That's my personal opinion because... I've never really been a fan of this. You can, it, it was removed for a reason. In Dota One, there was a time where the meta was literally like sharing sharing items so that you could quickly get a rapier or something on a carry. Right, that was dumb mm. and was removed. Um, yeah, I think I think that would be a good change for sure. Just make the owner be the one who pays for it. I actually thought when you prefaced it that it was going to be should I have had the item or should Drow? It's <laughs> fucking great on Drow. It is fifty percent cooldown based reduction. On that game, Dude, that's, that's yeah, based dope. on that game, it was better on me. And we ended it yeah. immediately after getting that item. So uh, okay, my items on the neutrals. I was very negative before, as you guys thought. It was very dooms. I don't know if I'd say it was doomsday, but I've come around a bit for sure. Like here's the thing. I've been playing a lot of Dota since, like I said, the patch came out. I've been having so much fun playing. I think the items themselves are probably the least important in terms of my fun factor so far in the games these 70 minute games that's different those were crazy and we were laughing hysterically but in terms of just the regular gameplay i think the outposts have been probably the biggest contribution to me having fun in the game it's just the quality of life in general just feels better for one through five everybody's having more fun it's fresh everybody's trying to figure out this patch together that's always fun obviously but the items themselves I don't know. Like right now, the quality of life, when you pick them up, you pass them around, whoever can need it. Everybody has six slots now. Like not saying they're fully six slotted, but they mm-hmm. have some sort of item now, which is great for the game. It just makes it, just having items makes the game more fun. That's just plain and simple. In terms of just being complete RNG, like what items you get, obviously you talked about the balance of the items themselves within their tiers. I think the change that you only get three per tier now is a really good change. Um, I, I don't know. Like, okay. I actually just got an idea. Sorry sure. if I interrupt. No. But imagine this. Imagine within the tier that, um, okay, this is going to sound a little bit complicated, but imagine there's 60 items. There's 12 per tier. Okay. So that means you could divide each tier into three sub tiers. This explanation might sound stupid, but imagine tier one. There is tier one light, tier one medium, and tier one high. And you get one of each item. So you say four of these tier one items. The tier one light always drops first. The tier one medium always drops second. And the tier one high always drops third. Then you get the weak item first, a better item later, and the best one last. And you need to farm for them. So that within the tiers, you could still have the items not be equally powerful, but then they're subdivided into categories that are more likely to be equally powerful. Because I think that might be easier to balance. Do you follow? Not really. <laughs> okay, so... So during uh, the tier one stage, let's say I get our three items. Yes. 
you get three items. One of them is low tier, one of them is medium tier, and one of them is high tier within that time zone. So it always goes frame. in that order. Yes. Okay. So let's say, for example, within tier one, let's say the worst tier one item is Faded Brooch, just for example. Let's just say it's the worst. Okay. That one is now in the subcategory of one to four. So there are 12 items. There are four that are considered the weakest. They can drop first. You get one of those. Then five to eight can drop second, and nine to 12 can drop last. So you kind of divide them into those categories. Do you so think these, that's good or bad? These are all still separate items? Or are you talking about combinations that it's, upgrade? It's still the same items as, as now. But from a balancing perspective, you instead of having this, because we're talking about the RNG still, right? Like there's two options. Either all the items are on paper equal in, in impact, or you can subdivide them within that time frame so that the first item that drops is a weaker one, the second drops is a stronger one, and the third one that drops is the strongest one. And each team gets one of each. So then there's a 25% chance every game that you get the strongest item in the tier that you want. And there's does, a 25% chance. Do you think this adds complexity? It does, for sure. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm asking about it. Like, do you, is that worth it? it w I just got the idea off the top of my head when you started talking about it. Like, right. maybe... Uh, I personally think the best balancing is if all the items are just good. Uh, but none of them are really stupidly good. I just think that might be super difficult to do. Whereas mm -hmm. if you could subdivide them into this way, it maybe also that makes could it, be helpful. I, I mean, the way that it is now, it makes it more interesting, right? We're just, I, I think we're both worried about the competitive scene because from a pubbing perspective, who gives a fuck, honestly? It feels like a mini game. It, doesn't, it feels like Heroes of the Storm. A lot of my friends have been saying that as well. It legitimately feels like Heroes of the Storm. You're constantly going towards an objective uh, constantly fighting, it feels like, because of those mm -hmm. objectives. You're getting a lot more XP, a lot more gold. You're getting random-ass items coming out of the jungle. It does feel fun. Is it good for competitive? We'll see in a couple days when we cast the We Play Qualifiers, because I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> but I have... I hated the idea before. I'm starting to come around to it just because it feels less impactful than I was thinking. There's some items that are, obviously, and the 70-minute games or whatever, I don't care if they give like eight divines in one item. Who gives a shit? It's 70 minutes. That adds way more fun to the game, in my opinion, than the earlier items, which some of them are cool, some of them are pretty meh, and that's how it kind of should be. So I was more worried about like the, the new player experience, but I've kind of come around to that a little bit as well because it just because of the random factor because if you add more complexity in terms of what you're talking about or even what other people are talking mm -hmm. about where you get lumber or something like that and you perch that's that adds complexity to another level even than it is now so i'm starting to come yeah. around the i just i wanted to quickly finish the the thought that i had I think one upside to the idea that I gave where you subdivide them into categories where they scale is that if there are items within the tier that are stronger, they will drop later, right? So not only do you categorize them, but you also make the highest impact items drop at a later time in the game, which means relatively they will be a little bit weaker compared to the heroes, right? So mm -hmm. for example, right now, seven minutes, an item will drop. Maybe one of them is really good, minutes 7 to 12, and then it's worse later. There, there are items like this, right? Within tier 1, there are items that are super impactful right when you get them. And then 10 minutes later, not so good. And there are items that are way better later, but not very good when they drop. 
So if you imagine that they drop in that order based on tiering and that it's so weird because I'm saying tiering, but it's tiering within the tier, right? Um, then you can have them drop at a time that's a bit more, maybe a bit more accurate relative to the game state at that time. Because I don't know, how fast do you get all three items? Like you get the first one really fast. 9% chance on neutrals. On average, you farm five camps and one drops or something like this. Maybe less. Depends on how many people are in the jungle. Right. You can get them pretty fast um, though. But the first one is fast. The second one, decent. Maybe maybe it takes like three or four minutes before you have all three items. In, on average, I don't know. Um, three or four minutes. Minute seven to 11 is a big deal in Dota. Minute 10, people get tomes. You know, like it changes a lot uh, whether you get these items at that time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Don't we know. Gotta I'm, move still, on. I'm still a much bigger fan of if they can not do my idea and just have all the items be equal impact. But how the hell do you do that? I laughed at it last episode and said Ice Frog is voluntarily making his own job so much harder. And I think balancing this is really hard. But man, if you nail it, it's super fun, right? It's going to be awesome, but it will take time. All right, moving on. We won't spend nearly as much time on these topics, guys, since we are pretty deep into this podcast, thanks to Sindarin's incessant rambling. Um, Okay, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Team... Nigma. I need to be very careful when I say this. They are now right. a team, a new organization by the old Liquid Boys, aka my Middle Eastern boys, Kuro and company. We're just talking about the name. What what do you what what happened there? Okay. So supposedly what they're saying is first of all, it's oh, close it's, to Enigma, right? Yeah, it's not supposed It's close to Enigma. And yeah. um it the origin of the name is supposed to be star in, in Arabic, Arabic, is it? Yeah. What is the Arabic word for star? It's Najima, right? Right. Or something like this. N-I-J-M-A? So is this a dialect? Is this a dialect thing? Or is this just supposed to be Enigma and Najima combined into Enigma? I don't speak or, Arabic, so I can't say for sure, even though I did live I there for some, quite a while. I but. think I read a comment somewhere that in Egyptian like some sort of dialect or whatever it was closer to enigma or whatever it was don't remember 100 percent um if it actually is the if it really is the word in in the egyptian dialect then you know i feel like that makes a lot more sense but what you always have to remember with a name like this is i mean these pro players you know it's it's different things like the community reaction to this name has been very mixed, I would say. What? Because, what are you mixed? Yeah. Okay, let me rephrase that. For the most part, it's been negative. Let's yes. try that. Very, oh, Majority very. negative. Majority negative. Okay. Uh, I think the, the primary subgroup of people that like this name are probably the ones that can relate more to the Arabic side of things. But just facing it in Dota... There are a lot of Arabic Dota players, but it's a global game. And for many people, this name makes no sense. You know, like, uh, and obviously the the closeness to the N-word is something that gets made tons of fun of in Twitch chat, but fuck that, you know, like whatever that is. It's no matter what you call your team, they're going to make fun of it, right? One now, hold on, hold on a second. Right. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you here. Mm-hmm. So you're saying you just don't like the name because it's translated from another language. That's the reason you don't like it? No, that's not the reason I don't like it. Okay. Um, I think continue. I I don't know how to word this. It's like 
regardless of what it means or whatever, how does it, first of all, how does it sound? Like, I get, why didn't you call it the team Enigma, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. got to be a reason. And if you wanted to go for the star thing, why didn't you call it Najima? Wouldn't, wouldn't that have been a nice name? I don't know. Is this really where like, you're going with this? I'm shocked, actually, right now. I don't know. You go, you go first, then. I'm not completely sure what you're getting at here. So, the N-word. That's where I'm getting with this. Well, I just mentioned that already. No, I know, I said, but that is like obvious. the main reason that it's a terror. Okay, so when we came up with Digital Chaos, my first choice mm-hmm. was Dinosaur Commandos, for those that don't know, by the way. Great fucking name. I was just worried about the sponsors not taking us seriously. I love silly mm-hmm. names, like Moonduck, yeah. you know, these shitty-ass names. I love them. We wanted digital chaos. Everybody made fun of us because it was a very try-hard sounding. It's like you're this old man trying to fit into the scene kind of thing. I can understand why people thought that. It's not the greatest Mm -hmm. name. This is the worst. First of all, before I get into that, I'm a huge fan of these guys. You you guys know Mm -hmm. I'm half Middle Eastern. This is basically the Middle Eastern team of the Dota scene. There's four out of five of them are Middle Eastern, for God's sake. I love these guys. Weeha, one of my favorite players of all time. This is easily the worst name of any team I have ever heard of in my entire life. That includes, I'm not even, it doesn't matter. Includes every name I've ever heard. This is horrible. You've put yourself in a terrible position. Sponsors are going to have, like, maybe, maybe you're good enough to find sponsors that overlook this, but this is way, I would legitimately, this is the first thought that popped in my head, Cinderin. Legitimately, mm-hmm. I would be scared to cast this team because who the fuck knows what's going to come out of my mouth if I'm rambling about something super fast, like your tongue gets tied all the time in these casts if you're talking really fast, especially if you're right. in the play-by-play, anything can happen. I would just wouldn't say this team name. Luckily, you're not going to say that that fast in like team fights. You'd just be going by player names. This is pretty fucking bad, honestly. Horrible. Yeah. But okay, so I think I think the reason this is a good talk is that your perspective is obviously really good because you have the understanding of the Middle Eastern, like how this could relate to them and what this name could mean to them. But you also have the American, you know, aspect of the outlook of the N-word. The N-word has very different power in different countries. Like in the US, it's very bad. Yes. In, I mean, it's bad in general, let's be honest. I'm not going to say, hey, you can just go around throwing the N-word around however you want. But it is clearly the biggest problem in the US. So... For these players, the downside of this, none of them are American, right? And their relation to this, the whole N-word debacle and stuff is different. So they might feel like, yes, it sounds a bit like it, but to them, that's less of a deal than if this was an American team with Middle Eastern players, I don't think they would have named it this. Like, imagine all five of the players were you. They came from a Middle Eastern background. Let's say they all spoke Arabic okay, and they spoke Arabic with each other. Too? Are they morbidly <laughs> sure, obese? If, if that makes you happy, if that helps. <laughs> Uh, but you get the idea. Let's say they're all, they all have Arabic roots and they speak Arabic and they like the name, but they live in America and they know like okay. the power of this word there. They don't go there. But for these players, maybe they're like, I mean, obviously they thought about it, right? Of course they've thought about it. They've probably been like, you know, fuck it. Like people, it's not what it, it's not what it says. It's not what it means to us. And it's not what it means in general. So if people are going to draw that, uh, draw so much attention to that, that was never our intention. It's not the point of it. And since we're not an American team, it maybe doesn't make that big of a deal. But like, I hear everything you're saying, and I'm agreeing, by the way. This is not like a discussion between us. It's more of a, why did they go with it? I'm trying to follow, because like, I think the, what a lot of people said when this team was announced was, why did nobody say stop? Like, How did nobody <laughs> say, this is a horrible idea, right? And I, no thi- I really no do think... <laughs> huh? No. What do you mean? 
Nothing. I mean, clearly, this is a this is a clearly a cultural <laughs> thing, right? So, uh, okay. For these, okay, go on. I, I do understand what you're saying because the mm-hmm. the impact of the word is definitely weighted differently. I'm not saying it's not bad other yes. places, mm-hmm. but in the U.S., it is so beyond bad. Like, there's literally, like, you already know this. I'm just telling people mm-hmm. that don't know. It's literally the worst word you can say. There's not a word that even comes close to it, in my opinion. And to have your name so, again, it's not the same word. They didn't use the actual N-word, but it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you see, I think he deleted it. Slasher had a tweet that was fucking incredible. It was basically Wheel of Fortune saying team and then n you can figure out the rest. Basically, you take out one letter and mm-hmm. you can come up with a variation of that word. It's it's just bad. I, there's nothing really else to say. The question is, will they ever change it? Will there be enough uh, people, enough influence for them to change? I don't know. Well, Maybe I they don't care. The, other, the sponsor the other side, thing, though, like, I, I don't know either. How about, okay, how about we look at it from a different point? Why didn't they call it Najima? Is it just because this sounds more Dota-like? Because no, I, it's like Enigma, and because none of them are, none of them have Egyptian roots, right? Uh, Kuro lives in Egypt, I'm pretty sure, but no, none of okay. them are Egyptian. So right, okay, because then I mean that's different, right? I just I had the impression that all of them were, that none of them were from that area or had any connection with it, because then it's like you know it's a dialect thing and and whatnot. If it was a fully Egyptian team, I think it would be way more. Like logical, right? Then you would well, probably keep in like, mind. Okay. I don't know what the actual word sounds like in Arabic. I have no right. idea. It might okay. be Nigma. Okay. I don't know. I really don't know. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. I should have asked. Yeah, my brother. I mean, he we shouldn't. Arabic. Same for me. I, I just, I only saw the spelling, so I don't know. But okay, well, we can move on to the next topic. Uh, OG has come out with a. It's not really a B team per se, but it's called OG Seed. Uh, yep. Madara Chessy. How do you say this guy's name? Zibi? Zibe, I think. Yeah. Zibe? Z-Freak, yeah. my boy, and Peksu. Uh, essentially a team coached by No Tail and Company from OG, because OG's not going to participate in the first two majors. This is a really interesting idea, Cinderin. What do you think mm-hmm. of this? I've never... I mean, obviously we've had B teams, and you know the teams kind of collaborate with each other, but we've never had a team where it just takes time off, like most of the year off, to help them. That's pretty interesting. It's pretty cool. I think it's um, it's an experiment, and it's something that they're looking to to kind of make how to say kind of make a future for their org because I think they all know that they're not going to be competing in Dota forever, uh, and maybe some of them are reaching a point where they maybe don't want to do it much longer, even, um, mm-hmm. and then. If they want the longevity of the org, they obviously all have a share, right, in OG, as far as we're aware, at least. Uh, They're all shareholders in the organization. So a good way of ensuring your future and still having your foot on esports or whatever is, first of all, coaching, ownership, and just being part of something that's bigger than just your own team, right? Uh, I think it's really smart, and I think it's something that they obviously have the power to do because they are running the org um, themselves. They can just choose, we want to do this. Maybe, you know, if you're a different org, we have these like academy teams or whatnot for other organizations, but usually those academy teams won't get the coaching of the A team, right? But they can just just scrim against them occasionally, right? Yeah, exactly. They're like practice partners and they can ask for tips or inspiration or whatever of how to approach the game. 
but getting direct coaching from world champions is something else, right? Um, I think they do it in part because they want to, because they love Dota, but they don't want to play right now and people are taking breaks and in part for the sake of the org. Is it a good idea? I think so. Uh, I think it's cool uh, to have somebody try this and see how it, how it works out. Um, they did have their first tournament. It didn't go great, but obviously that was also very short notice um, for this. But yeah. I don't. I don't really know what else to say. Like I'm, it's unprecedented, right? So it is unprecedented. Okay. I'm really happy for a lot of these players, especially Chessie, who I know has been kind of bouncing around throughout the years, mm-hmm. and especially Z Freak, who I think has been super undervalued. Uh, one of the best position fours of all time, in my opinion. He just has never been on a good team. Honestly, as crazy as to say. Uh, so hoping for the best for these guys, and I think it's a really cool idea. But yeah, we'll see if it works or not. Um. It would be really awkward if OG does not get enough DPC points during the season and they have to play each other for the qualifying spot to TI. Oh boy, that would it be awkward. It would also be awkward if they both make TI because by Valve rules, you can only attend with one team for your org. So if both teams were to qualify to mm. TI, OG would actually need to sell their B team. Wow. If we call them. Or they um, could just give up their spot and go through opens. Right? No. Would that work? It doesn't matter. Oh, it does. It's about it's attending hard... TI. It's it's a it's a it's a measure that Valve are taking to prevent match fixing. Because if you have huh. two teams playing, it was one of the there was speculation. You remember this TI Alliance were playing against EG, and both teams yeah. were owned by Good Game Agency with Alex Garfield. Mm-hmm. And when that match was played, there was speculation that one team could actually benefit. The org could benefit from one team throwing on purpose for the other one, just losing the game, so the other one got a better. Seeding or better. I mean, in whatever. theory, yes, but that you know needs, the players would never do be, that. Players, would it needs never. to be eliminated. It doesn't matter. It actually, I, the no, theory doesn't matter. It just needs to be impossible. So, uh, we've had situations with. I think there was uh, maybe LGD had two teams one year. They had LGD and LGD Int. I think there was one TI maybe that that was the case, or something like this. Um, and Valve just made hard rules. Like in these DPC tournaments, you can only, or at least TI. I don't know if it's all DPC tournaments, but a TI. Uh, you can only have a stake in one team. Mm-hmm. So, yep, makes sense. And obviously, okay. for yeah. So, for this has been a big couple of weeks for Valve. Uh, even though a lot of people don't consider this that big, I think this is huge, other than the Dota patch, of course. Steam Remote Play, we talked about that before. I think this is an amazing feature, essentially, if you guys own a game that supports Steam Remote Play. So, a lot of these platformers, like let's say Towerfall Ascension, one of my favorite games, you can just, if you own it, you invite a bunch of your friends on your friend list and you guys can play together as if they all own it. They don't have to. It's an amazing feature that I think is super underutilized right now. I've been having a lot of fun with that. Uh, okay, Underlords before, had a... Yes? Before you go to that, do you think that... Like, okay, maybe this is way too... Do you think when you make this kind of decision in terms of profit, like you just said, everybody can play it together with only one player owning it. Mm-hmm. How do you gauge as a company that that's worth it? Because that also means that a group of four friends that would maybe want to play a game together only need to have one own it. In the case of Towerfall Ascension, it's obvious because if you have one player own it and you're all on LAN, you can play it on LAN. But is this the same logic for all of their titles? That the ones that are available for remote play are the ones that have a LAN feature where one person owning the game means everyone can play it. Is that how it works? Well, in terms of what games they choose, you mean? Yeah, because you could imagine that you would lose profit, right? If you're suddenly just letting four people play multiplayer in a game, and usually they would all need to buy an own right. title, and now it's, it's one guy. For, for as far as I know, it's only games that do not have. Uh, actually, one of the developers we talked with during the stream, 
uh, I forget which game it was. Uh, they said that they don't have a really big team and mm-hmm. they don't want to worry about netcode related stuff. And if uh, if they okayed it, which they did for this for Steam Remote Play, it means that you don't have to do anything because Valve just does it for you essentially. So if you don't have okay. online capability, like a multiplayer, and you can right. only do local co-op, or even if you don't have co-op, you can still take part. So, so it basically it takes games. local multiplayer into online. That's good. That will definitely increase sales, right? Because people will get interested in the game and then they will want yeah. to buy it and play it with other friends when the guy who owns it isn't there. Yep. That's awesome. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, yep. sorry. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, you don't even notice any lag. Uh, well, I've been hosting most of the games, but nobody has been lagging as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Underlords, which we're not really going to talk about because it's they just come out with huge patch after huge patch. And then the last thing, Cinderin, since this has been a big couple weeks for Valve, Half-Life Alex was announced. The trailer came out. Anyone that owns an Index, a.k.a. me, will get it for free. Did you watch the trailer? Are you excited? Uh, yeah, I, I did. I did, actually. I did watch it. it looks, what do you uh, think about it only being for VR? We've, we've talked about this before, right? We talked about this in episode Wait, 29. We? I thought we yeah. mentioned it briefly and then we didn't talk about it. Didn't Shit. Did it, we, it got announced. I, I mean, I think we've talked about it before, but I mean, okay. we can go over it again. I think I think our conclusion back then was it being like a title like this that um, I think they want to promote their own technology first and foremost, right? And what we're both expecting could happen down the line is that it gets released on other... They've sold out, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Because if you if you imagine that they launched this on all their platforms, the sales of the game would be incredible, right? How many people would play this on PC? But obviously, the point for them is to try to promote their new technology, which in the long run, if that becomes a commodity that people want to have, that is way more profitable than a one-off game that people buy on their PC, right? Uh, yeah. They want people to want to have this index. And I think it makes a lot of sense. It was like, the Nintendo Switch comes with Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is considered one of the best games of the last decade. Why didn't they just release this game on PC as well? Well, obviously, well, it's Nintendo, right? But on their other consoles that people already have, well, they want people. We to should buy mention a Switch. it's not exclusive right. to Index. You just get it for free if you have one. It still works on. Just oh, it's any exclusive VR. to all VR systems. Yeah. Well, any that I, I assume it's all of them. I know oh, it's a lot of them. Okay, they can but, all run it. Yeah. Well, even then, I still think the the art, the logic kind of still stands. It's about getting people into the technology, getting them into mm-hmm. VR. And then if Valve get people into VR, then they have a new avenue of selling their games, even if it's not on their index. So I still think the, the argument stands. And they still right? have it's two more flagships to come. Logic. Haven't been announced yet. So I'm interested to see if mm-hmm. they're going to be same IPs as before, like Portal or something like that or not. Portal I will is say such that an obvious choice for this. They it actually really talked is. about it in an interview that it sounded like they're not going to do it because it's too disorienting, oh. which I can understand. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. It would be very disorienting. Yeah. But I will say the nunchucks, the fact that it has like the um, the tracking of your individual fingers makes it, at the very least, if you have the nunchucks, you don't have to have the index. You still get it for free, the, the game itself. I'm excited about Half-Life, man. I don't know if I'm even going to like it because it's VR, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how I like FPS on VR, honestly. I haven't really decided, haven't played enough, but I'm still excited about Half-Life in general. So uh should be fun. That's going to be coming out, I believe, in March. And the Boneworks, which was made by a different company, is coming out in December, which is very similar to Half-Life. So I'll probably get that and gauge whether 
I will like it or not. We can probably talk about it then. And then the last thing we'll talk about before we get to one small topic I want to discuss. All these things came out, Cinderin, in the last yep. few weeks. You know what didn't? During the anniversary of its launch, Artifact. What could it no, possibly be? <laughs> no news on Artifact. I am devastated. I mean, I wasn't really expecting anything, but I'm devastated that there's not even a post about it, you know? Dude, I Such think a good game. I honestly, I'm with Valve on this. If they're not ready to announce anything, I think it's just salt in the wound to make an announcement. Today is the anniversary of our launch of our least successful game. <laughs> it's still not ready. Like, why would they do that, dude? Like, what's Long the haulers, of course they're not good. rejoice! It don't will worry, happen guys, one day. Still, like, I don't know. I think, I think not writing anything is definitely the play. To be honest, uh, artifact. I think oh, what I Valve think. does here, if they're still, we're assuming they're still working on artifact because they said they were right. We haven't heard anything in many, many months by now. Yeah, but they will not announce anything with artifact until they are convinced that the product that they have is really good and ready because they right. cannot handle this to fail again. Right? Hey, just throwing it out there, Valve. Uh, I'm available to alpha or beta test whatever you have, and I will give honest feedback. And I hope that you will wow. not uh, punish me in any way <laughs> if I'm overly negative. But based on what Artifact was, like it was, again, not to talk about old things that we've rehashed over, not to beat a dead horse, in other words. Mm. The monetization model was 90% of the reason it died. 90% yep. easily. Not It wasn't perfect in other ways, obviously, but it was mostly monetization. And it snowballed to a point of and ridiculousness. and the lack of a progress system on launch. I think. Okay, we can combine them into 90%. That's fine. Okay, last topic, Sindarin. Did you watch the Cybertruck release for Tesla? Mr. Elon Musk. I heard about it, but I didn't didn't watch the release, but I heard about it. So they worked, they've been working on this new electric, uh, first of all, their, their cars are super cool. I've never actually been in one, but they look really awesome. And if I had enough money, I would probably buy one, but Alas, Valve hasn't given me enough money yet, you know? All that shilling, not enough. But they've made a pickup truck, and it looks really fucking weird. What do you think of the look, first and foremost? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's like something from Blade Runner. There's no soft curves. It's just hard edges. It's like something that you would come up with. Like if you lived in the 60s or the 70s, and you ask somebody on the street, what do you think a car would look like in 2030? In this is what they would draw. This absolute <laughs> yeah, abomination of a vehicle. <laughs> it looks, it's very polarizing. It's sold out, I'm pretty sure. Of course it is. I think it looks awful personally, but it is unique. I will say that. And apparently it runs really well. It beat the shit out of the Ford pickup truck. Not a big fan of pickup trucks, as you might gather based on being in Arizona. They're the worst. But oh, other than the look, it sounds really awesome. But it is, a, it is a thing that is polarizing. Do you like the look? What are your general thoughts? I, I'm not... I don't really Come honestly on, give your opinion. care that much. It's more... Yeah, I, just fu- I just fucking love the daringness of this. Can I just say that? I love I it, too. You know, I do, too. You're doing something new. You're doing something crazy. I really, this is something like I don't know that much about Elon Musk, but if there's one thing that really stands out to me in what I read and what I hear and what I say is like, or not what I say, what I read and what I hear is like, he's a fucking mad lad, you know, he's like a mad lad, you know, he's a lot of money. 
he's a he's a guy who just has some ideas and stuff he wants to happen and then he makes it happen on his own terms and i think I'm, that's really admirable and really fucking cool i'm a big fan of elon musk he's not perfect I, he says some stupid things but he would make the right. perfect like this is like the perfect precursor to a typical superhero villain right yeah he is that's not wrong. the epitome of that which i love and the i truck, just you know like I look at this. I look at this truck, and like, no matter whether you hate or love it, you can't deny that it's something special and it stands out, right? Like, if you love it, you're gonna buy it if you have the money. If you hate it, you're still gonna recognize it and you're gonna talk about it, and that's gonna make people want to more people talk you about know, it, and then more people. Will they buy missed it. a great yeah. opportunity, though. They should have called it the Cyber Enigma. That would have been just perfect oh, to go along with the look. Then even more people would have talked about it. The launch <laughs> in the U.S. would have gone great, too. So yeah. to give you guys an idea of... It was supposed to be like this indestructible type vehicle, right? It has a lot of horsepower. Mm. It's electric, which makes it really fit in with the, the newer age. But they did a demonstration on stage, Cinder. I don't know if you watched this. They had like a sledgehammer, and I they pounded that, yeah. the door. It had no effect, which was awesome. And then they threw like this little metal object at the window... And the window broke. And Elon Musk is like, holy fuck, shit. <laughs> He's panicking. So then the guy that threw it is like, ah, we'll just do it again to the other window. They did it again. And the other window broke as well. By breaking, it didn't go through, but you can see the shatter point. So they were very embarrassed by that. And I heard, I don't know if this is actually true, that his net worth dropped quite a bit as a result of this. But it was still, I think, a success overall because a lot of people were talking about it. They figured out what was wrong because... They had obviously tested the window like before the show even. They even had video of it and it worked. It's because of mm -hmm. the sledgehammer dislodged something on the door. Oh. And then they threw something in the window and it broke. So quote unquote will be fixed. Uh, it's a beta test, of course, the Cybertruck. But no, I agree. Other than the look, like like the look is whatever. I, I can understand why they would do something crazy like that, you know, and I can respect it. I will never buy it because of the look, but that's another. It probably saves cost, though, if you think about it, because there's no, you don't have to round anything Sharp out. edges is less material. It's less surface yeah. area. Very smart. Very mathematical. I think, I want to say yeah. the cheapest is 35K off the top of my head. I, didn't, I actually didn't write that down, okay. but relatively cheap uh, <laughs> for what it is, right? I mean, that's not something I could ever afford, but. All right. I have a question people. for you about this car, and then we can be done. Yes. What is your first impression? You meet there's a person you've never met before in your life, and you're going to meet them in the city, and they come out of this car. What's your impression? <laughs> like, wh what do you? What kind of person do you think they are? Douche. I mean, that matters, right? Like, obviously, it's it shows something about how you think, right? I mean, it shows that they care a lot. No, I, 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 okay. Let me rephrase this. A normal pickup truck. This is going to offend a lot of people, but I've had some issues with pickup trucks in Arizona. The first thought in my head when you get out of a normal pickup truck is douche. It doesn't mean you are a douche. That's just my impression because on the road, the person cutting me off is always, it seems to always be a fucking pickup truck. This one is going to be better because it's electric. At least they're saving the environment. Because when it cuts you off, it literally cuts you. <laughs> yeah, it, cut, it gives you the paper cuts like none other. Holy shit. But the first reaction would be they care too much about how they look, I think. It's like somebody coming out of a Lamborghini. I, I think the same thing. They're well, you put them on the same tier. No, no, no. Not the actually. same tier, but it's the same idea. Different levels. Okay? Okay. But I don't think that of a normal Tesla. It's just because the look is so weird. You know? That's just my... I mean, here's, here's another example. I don't remember what the cars are called. There's 
uh, one of them is the Scion, actually. There's two cars. Mm. They might just be US-based. I don't know. They are like cubes. I think they're the this is going to, again, fend some people. The ugliest cars I've ever seen. I don't know why you would ever want to drive right. it. How do I spell it? Z-I-O-N? S-C-I-O-N, I believe. S-Z. S-C. Oh, S-C-I-O-N. Car. It's a cube. You're just... You're just driving around in a goddamn. Uh, there's <laughs> wait. There's another Dude, car the called the Cube. What the fuck is this? It's horrible. It's a. You're driving in a food box. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't understand. Some it. of them. Oh, it's. A, wait, some of the models look okay. It's just some of them that look stupid. Anyway, I hate those. Oh, cars. maybe it's just maybe it's a different brand that has a subcar called Scion. But there's, it's the is it the brand? Is it the Toyota Scion you're talking about? Yes, the Toyota Scion. Okay, because there's some another of them one. Look okay. There's another one that might be called the Cube, maybe. But either way, not not a fan of these crazy looking cars personally. <laughs> like you're just you're you're driving around in a goddamn box. Like how does ugh. anyway? To each their own. Everyone has their own taste. That's what makes the world great. You know, yeah. some people love tomatoes. Other people vomit at the side of them. So it. Just the way of life. That's a very extreme reaction. I've not heard of that before. I, I'm sure somebody exists that vomits at the side of tomatoes. They Maybe. probably have a real hard time, though. Um, yeah. Okay, that is the end of the episode. Sinner, have you watched In Bruges or Joker? No, no. Will you ever watch these shows, movies? Maybe. But I don't know what has more value now, having you ask me every week or watching a good movie. People are They're sick both pretty of this. Satisfying. People are sick of the end of these episodes, honestly. They're just... It's rehash material. They How don't about ask, it ask it in the start then? Switch Spice it up. It just up. In, in the middle of the random, episode. Random <laughs> time in the episode. Speaking Here, of this change to Dota, have we you watched it? <laughs> we'll get the same algorithm that's used for the neutral items and we'll add it to when I ask the question during an episode. How does that sound? By the way, yeah. strong recommendation for those out there that like TV shows to watch Watchmen. Uh, the first episode sucks ass, so just get through that one. Really good show. The more you watch it, the better it is. All right. Thanks for watching, guys. Until next time, Suns fan, thanks for listening as well. Remember, guys, <laughs> forgot my spiel. You can catch an episode of We Say Things live every Tuesday at 1 a.m. PST, 10 CET on twitch.tv slash TV. Need to rewrite that so there's not so many goddamn TVs in there. If you missed it live, don't fret because it'll be uploaded to Dota Cinema's YouTube channel, Cinder. And it's available via audio on all audio apps. Believe it or not, it is available on Spotify. Stop asking. Check sunsfan.gg slash podcast for the full extensive list. Goodbye, friends. We'll see you uh, during our cast for the We Play. We, we say thing. We play. Whatever their name is. We play. We, we play. Dude, I mean, we, we say a things, channel. though. We have We Say Things. There's We Play. And we had a YouTube channel called We Play Stuff. So it gets jumbled in my head. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that channel died a long time ago. Uh, okay. Goodbye, guys. Sorry. We say things that don't mean anything. But thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs>